an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app and answer a few questions. With Angie, you can book instantly at an upfront price or request and compare quotes from multiple pros so you can find the best price for your project. So the next time you have a home project, just Angie that and start getting the most out of your home. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Now entering Nerdist.com. Tonight, my guest has been nominated for an Emmy four times for her roles as Tammy Taylor in Friday Night Lights, Vivian Harmon in the very first season of American Horror Story, and most recently as country star Raina James in Nashville, where she sang all her own songs. She's also portrayed Faye Resnick in the critically acclaimed and award-winning People vs. O.J. Simpson. When she's not kicking ass and being one of everyone's favorite actresses, she spends her time at the United Nations Development Goodwill Program being an ambassador to them. Uh, we're going to delve into her career, her life, her passions. We're going to find out more about her new film, Beatrice at Dinner. Uh, I have been friends with this person for almost two decades. I adore her, so let's get into it. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Connie Britton tonight will be on Talking with Chris Hardwick. <laughs> We have heard you on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook using at Talking. I'm going to read in your questions, comments, your comments. We're going to get a look at some video message that you sent in for Connie Britton. Plus, our studio audience is going to have a chance to ask some questions, and I'm going to give stuff away because that's how it works here. But first, it is my turn to talk to Constance Britton. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you came on my show. You came all the way up from Nashville just to I do did. this. I did. I was like, he's doing a show. I'm there. I appreciate That's that. That's what friends are for. Oh, I have to remember that if you yeah. need me to come to Doesn't Nashville. Doesn't that sound for... like a song lyric? No, I don't think so. Not one I've ever heard. It's a song, guys. Keep smiling. <laughs> Keep shining. I don't know when you and always care. That's me. enough. Um, sorry, I was really going into the song that I we know. cannot I was afford so to pay for. Oh. <laughs> That's going to be out. Believe all of that out. It didn't seem like you were moved. You just seemed like you wanted it to end. Wow, wow. Quickly. Judgy McGee, right from the outset. Just <laughs> right out I don't of the gate. You. Are you going to be judging my work tonight? Pre- Is that what's <laughs> happening yeah, here? Yeah, that's what's going to happen. We're going to talk, hmm. and then uh, all of us as an audience are going to hold up a scorecard. Hey, uh, actually, I spoke to them earlier, and we're all going to do that for you. You did not talk to them yes, earlier at all. You just I made did. that up, Connie. No, I talked to them earlier, didn't I, guys? You flew all the... You were all lying. You flew all the way out here just to make shit up on my show. Yes! Uh, yes. 
But we, we, I, Connie, Connie was in a, a movie called Brothers McMullen. Right. With another friend of ours, Jen Jostin. Oh my God. And Jen and I Jen. did a movie called House with a Thousand Corpses together, and that was like 99, 2000, and that's when we first met. That's right. And we were. With Rob Zombie. With Rob Zombie. Rob and, Zombie and Sherry. And Sherry and Lauren Graham and Jonathan right. Silverman, this, and this kind of group of people, and. Uh, we just hang out. We would hang around out. around in Los Angeles together. Yeah. Living the dream. But it, but it's, but it's been so much fun to watch you because I remember very specifically, you know, like you'd we'd go out and get food. Like if you had a show that didn't get picked up or something didn't work out, like we'd all kind of be a support group for each other. Yes, yes. And it always was a lot of that at that time. Actually, <laughs> we were very supportive. Very supportive. <laughs> well, it's not it. The business kind of sucks sometimes. Well, especially when you're starting out. But that's the thing. Honestly, I look back at those times and think how fortunate we were to have such a great group of friends because it just felt. It just felt like we were on an adventure together, yeah. you know, because it was. You get that's a lot of rejection, a right? Ton. Right from the beginning, it's a lot of rejection. But the, and then when it works out, you're like, Wah! I, I can't know. It. But but the thing that I've always been so impressed by is that it feels like you you really you work on quality stuff. Like everything you do is great, and and watching you take you know roll after roll is like, well, that was a good. Well, shit, that was really good too. I mean, how have you managed Thanks. to navigate what is sometimes? A very tumultuous and unkind business. Um, well, gee, that's a complicated question. Um, we have time. I'm, well, guys, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> uh, because I am so interested. <laughs> um, we'll be the judge of that. <laughs> that's right, I forgot. After the show. <laughs> um, luck. Really? Next question. It can't be luck. Uh, kind, I, I feel incredibly fortunate you know, honestly, if I really, uh, I've had great opportunities, um, and you know, Brothers McMullen, which is the first thing I ever did, which was my big break. I mean, truly, in every sense of the word, it was a big break. I got to, you know, I worked with the then completely unknown Ed Burns, um, who was inherently a right from the get-go a brilliant filmmaker, and that was. Uh, so lucky and so great and so I, I, I you just pull it, you, I think in life if you can pull people uh, who love what you love and are passionate about what you're passionate about and collaborate with them and and uh, it, everybody makes everybody better and right. that's sort of the goal and and so I've been really fortunate to be able to do that uh, a number of times and and you know and and in the case of Friday Night Lights. I had made, I had done the movie where I'd had the tiniest part and whatever was there was mostly cut. Um, but I loved working with Pete Berg. I loved the subject matter. And he asked me to do Friday Night Lights and I thought it was going to be a disaster. <laughs> Why do you think it was going to be a disaster? Well, because I was going to sign on to be the wife of the coach of a football show. I mean, if the only thing, <laughs> the only thing on paper that's more wallflower-ish than that is nothing. <laughs> I mean, there's just like, what, you know, I mean, that just had all of the makings of being something that really just was, you know, I was going to be the supportive wife and be on literally the sidelines, you know? But 
Um, but Pete was really determined and, and committed to not letting it be that. And I was really determined and committing it, committed to not letting it be that. And, and you know, you, when you when you when you just you, when you really believe in something and you're really passionate about something, you can create something great when you're doing it with other people who are like-minded in that way. Well, yeah, especially because your relationship and that, I think, are like couple goals. Yes. You know? Yes. Well, now it was a thing, too. I mean, I met Kyle Chandler for the first time on the set of the pilot, and we went out to dinner that night, sushi, mm-hmm. and uh, he, we talked about relationships and what we valued in relationships, and, and we just agreed on everything. And... And talked about these characters and how we, you know, and so, uh, you know, he was one of those people. And so we create, we were able to create this amazing partnership that, you know, I will cherish forever. I mean, it is, it is the business uh, that what you talked about, about being the wallflower character. It's like, oh, the pretty wife who's off to the side while the husband's out there living his dream, you know. Right. And by the way, there have been plenty of them. And, and. Uh, I will say that I do think I came up at a time when I was very influenced by I Love Lucy and Mary Tyler Moore and, um, you know, uh, That Girl and those things. Right. You know, I mean, that, that was amazing television. But more often, there, there were a lot of women on TV who really were very supporting and very secondary characters. And so I really did come into it at a time where I... I, I automatically looked at every role thinking, okay, how am I going to give this some complexity and some dimension? Because it's probably not going to be there. You know, especially when you're starting out. It's, it, it's really, you know, it's even, even now, you know, the, the number of really complex and really fasc- fascinating women's roles um, are, are, can be few and far between. And so I think really, as I was starting out, I, I always sort of assumed and looked at a role like, all right, I'm going to have to try to make this something that maybe isn't on the page. And how do you do that, though? Especially if, I mean, were you ever in a situation where a network person or someone was like, hey, uh, just uh, take it down, you know? Like, were, did they ever try to, like, put you in a box? No, I, not that, not that I can recall, but mostly because... Most people don't really actually want things to be worse. Right. They actually want things to be better. Right. So, you know, I mean, right, you know, for, for Brothers McMullen was a perfect example because, and, because Eddie, re- he gave us the freedom, everybody on, the sh- on that movie, but he gave us the freedom. He's like, well, what do you think she would say here? You know, and, 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 and he was really appreciative for the dimension that that we gave the characters and that I gave the character, and um, I, and I think Peter Berg was the same way, and I think he felt that way when I did the movie of Friday Night Lights, and that's why I think he was so adamant, you know, because he really had to talk me into doing the TV show. He really did. Right, because you just didn't want to be stuck on a TV show <laughs> yeah, for a long time. Yeah, and I really felt like I was digging my own grave in a way. Like I thought, oh, you know. Oh, all the things, all the all the conversations you have, you know. Oh, I just I have I I don't have faith in myself as an actor. If I did, I would say no to this, you know. And why don't I th- why don't I believe that I could be a really you know that I could be front and center as a female? Why don't I believe that? And instead, I'm just gonna like buy into this and like go into this boys' club, which I was sure, of course, that it was going to be uh, because it was about football, right. you know. 
Something um, you love, right? Yes, <laughs> which I love so much. Um, yes, right. <laughs> so you know, I was there was a lot there was a lot about it that felt like it was going to be just a disaster. But then, what what was it that made you push ahead, or what made you say okay? Because it is an interesting, you know, especially in this business where you you have a survival instinct yes and you go okay well it is a job and i should be appreciative for work but at the same time you kind of do enter that phase of wow i i do want to work do i want to work on this thing for seven years or is this going to mean at seven years is it going to be done right so how do you how do you mentally navigate that and go okay no i'm going to give it a shot and i'm going to push through it and i'm going to make it interesting well I mean, I think that's been a different... The the answer to that would be different at different times in my career because at the time of Friday Night Lights, I definitely wanted a job, you know. And and, and I had been really fortunate. I'd done Spin City with an amazing group of actors, including Michael J. Fox. And and, um, thank you. (laughs) 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 Honey, thank thank God. and after that, I did the West Wing, yeah. which I was like, this is like a dream come true. I loved that show so much. I couldn't believe it was on the air. And then I got cast in it, and I was so excited. And then I did 24. So I, But those were things that, that, that kind of came my way. And so it wasn't that I was being particularly choosy. I, I really did get really lucky. So then when it was t- but then I was like, you know, it's time for, I really do I need I need a job and I want to be on TV again and I love working in television. Um, so, but when Friday Night Lights came around, there was definitely an aspect of I need a job. So I was kind of letting that. I'm like, oh, am I just doing this because I need a job and I don't have faith in myself? <laughs> I don't believe that I can get something better. There's a lot of that. But it's also you know just the, knowing you. You're one of the funniest people I know. And so it's, it was interesting to me to see you. And, and I, I think that kind of comedy instinct adds... Com- when, when really funny people take on dramatic roles, you, you see a, a depth and a complexity to it, I think. Uh, and oh, so... Because I know a lot of your early stuff was more comedy-driven. Yes. I remember, like... Seeing you uh, go up for pilots, like comedy pilots, or do comedy pilots and, you know, go through that whole thing. You know what always surprised me when I was doing Friday Night Lights and even after? It was the number of of comedic actors who were obsessed with that show. And I was like, wow, I am so, you know, it's like, I'm so surprised by that. I I wouldn't necessarily have thought that that would be the appeal, but... um, you know, I, 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 but I, but I also realized too that I think just in general, some of the most talented actors that we have are the ones who are so funny, you right. know, and and so and they, you know, they're always kind of looking for things that have like complexity and all that dimension to it. Like Daniel Day Lewis, hilarious. Oh, I know. <laughs> what a like, riot that what a guy! Fun right? Hang oh, that I guy can't even it. keep it together. <laughs> Is he at the comedy store this weekend? Uh, I don't I think know, but if he is, is uh, let's is go. We're going to do it. Yeah. Did you ever disagree with any of the storylines on Friday Night Lights? Like, or did you have any control over what was happening? Oh, yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> I did. I had, I, no, I did not have control. I did disagree with some storylines because I was like, uh, well, for instance, there was an abortion storyline, and I had a great deal of fear about it because I was afraid that we weren't going to handle it with enough of the sensitivity with which it would need to be handled. Right. Um, 
So I remember like, having very extensive conversations about that and feeling like we are not, you know, we're not equipped to do this and calling. Um, I don't know. I was calling all sorts of, oh, because I, I, you know, I was a part, I worked at the school. So I remember talking to, I think, a principal or somebody because I really wanted to understand what would happen and what, what the realities were in Texas and in that situation. Sure. Um, but I was, I was, and I was, and, and I think part of, to anybody would, uh, would tell you probably, um, in terms of Friday Night Lights, you know, that I was, I was invited to, we were all invited to be, um, very verbal about what we were doing and if we had thoughts on the stories and, and all that. And, and so, um, you know, and, and I know that they were so committed to, uh, particularly to to the character of Tammy, which was the character that I played, they were so committed to really giving that character a voice, and so they kindly would listen. and 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 it, and it just helps to have those conversations because we can. I got to understand so much better what we were doing and what I was playing, and you know, also get give them a sense of, oh, here here are my concerns. How can we address this? How can we look for this and make sure that we're taking care of it in the in the telling of the story? And at the end of the day, that was a scary storyline to play. And I feel like I, I look back on it often and think it did one of my favorite things that you can do in uh, in telling a story in television or film, which is it allowed people on both sides of the subject to actually feel that we were talking to them. So, you know, it's a very controversial subject. and And somehow pro-choice people and um, anti-choice people were both feeling like they were being seen and um, that they, they, they could understand the, what, the story that we were telling. And I, that, I was very happy about that. Well, because <clears throat> that show in particular, I feel like, has a... You know, the, the, the stuff that I'm into that's that, the very specific kind of, like, sci-fi fantasy genre stuff. Yeah, but me, that, yeah me too. Yeah, you, you, no, not at all. You're <laughs> lying. You don't like that stuff at all. So oh, I can see you laughing behind your hand, oh, Connie. you saw that? Yes, everyone saw, so it. They everyone saw it. I thought sneaky. They didn't see it. I was so sneaky. They didn't subtle. even see you cover your face over there because oh, they're over yeah, there. yeah, exactly. But, but the Friday Night Lights has the same kind of rabid fandom, I think. Because yes. people really... You know, it just, even people I knew that weren't really sports people, when it first came out, they go, are you watching Friday Night Lights? I go, my friend Connie's on the show, but it's about football. And I go, it doesn't matter if you don't like yeah. football, you yeah. know? Like, it's just, it's a show. It's the people and the characters and the town and the, you know. It is all those things. And, and I, you know, it, it just, it just was such a, it was such a thrilling thing to be able to do, the, the way we shot it. And we, we shot in Austin, Texas, and we really had no awareness of, whether people were watching it or not, you know, it just kind of didn't matter. And, and that was nice. It was nice to not have it be result oriented. It was much more just like, we are just having a blast making this TV show, you know, and that's, it's a beautiful, that's lucky. What do you think it was about that show in particular that resonated so well with people? I think that, you know, the way we shot the show and the, with the, the honesty with which we told the stories, because, you know, a lot of it was improvised and, and we didn't rehearse a lot of the scenes because, and we didn't like set marks or anything because we wanted them to unfold almost in real time. And then it was shot with a lot of different cameras. So um, it felt extremely, it's felt really immediate and very honest. And yeah. I think audiences really appreciate that. They feel, they appreciate when they don't feel like you're bullshit. Can I? 
Yeah, yeah, you can swear. Bullshitting. Yeah, just do it. We're adults. Do you feel free? I'm just getting started. Oh my God. The torrent of swears. No, exactly. Wouldn't that be awesome if I just went then, straight up Tourette's? Like straight. And just here I go. Like, and another fucking thing about anyway, fucking Friday Night Lights. Tammy. Fucking show. Fucking crazy. <laughs> fucking crazy. Wait, this is a fake cigarette. I know. I, know I love that. I like your fake. But you're... by the way, you're holding. It's a big cigar. Like it's a cigar. Uh, I, I think know. it's a cigar. Actually. Is that what this is? I think it's a cigar. Uh, <laughs> no, not no, so much. Not anymore. No. Uh, enough of that. It's funny when uh, fans always just kind of pick up little things that to you probably don't even are a blip in your brain, but like the the, we when we said you're going to be on the show, a lot of people sent in quite a ton of people sent in questions. So many people really wanted to know about the dance, the dance and the opening credits. Oh, that's so funny. Because there's no, you know, it's just like one of those things that people see all the time and then, but, and then they need, they just want to know what was the story behind that. Do you guys know what he's talking about? Like, on Friday Night Lights, there was an opening credit sequence and like, I did this like little dance at the beginning. It was just a tiny little pop. But what's really funny about that. I'm sorry, before you go on, what was, how did that dance go? <laughs> I'm just curious if that Is that close? Nope. Nope, all right. No, it was two arms. I'm not doing it. Oh, I'm sorry, you just did no, it. I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not, I'll give you $100. No, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm such an opportunist. I'm not doing it. <laughs> 125 or $150? Wow, that's a good deal. Yeah, okay, really good. Yeah, deal. it's a really good deal. No, but I'll tell you where it came from, the, sto- the dance story. Okay. Um, we were shooting, okay, well, this is when we were shooting the pilot of the show. And, and again, my role in the pilot was pretty small. And, um, you know, I had, there was this little scene that takes place in the, in the house with the, in the Taylor's house. And, uh, the way that Peter Berg directed the, directs, is, again, to get that spontaneity and that immediacy, is he would, like, you know, you do your scenes from the script, but then he'd be, like, he'd be behind the camera and he's like, tell her that you love her! (laughs) You know? (laughs) Tell her that you voted for Bill Clinton! (laughs) Literally, you know? And and he would do that just, and it's so, so so suddenly you're totally changing up what's happening, and then the next, the other person is responding, and it, it just, it creates this aliveness. Yeah. So, and a lot of that stuff would end up staying in, you know, in, as we, you know, in the final show. Anyway, so I was, I had some little nothing thing to do in the scene, and then I was walking back into the kitchen, um, you know, and we probably shot the scene already a couple, maybe done one or two takes. And so I was, I said my line and then walked back into the kitchen. He goes, do your stripper dance! <laughs> <laughs> so that's what that was. <laughs> My stripper dance. Are you a little disappointed? <laughs> and I, I, and I was, I was, as I was doing, I was like, "Fuck you, Pete." <laughs> like, like, this is so embarrassing. And it's the thing because, of course, completely unrehearsed, unanticipated, and feeling really dumb. But then it made it into the thing, and now and now it's a thing people and now talk it's a about. Thing. It's a thing and a thing and a thing and all but the things. But is it? But I think that I think that's representative of a of a larger thing, which is. You know, how many times have you worked on something and thought, this is going to be the thing? Never. That, but you've never done that? No. Maybe that's, maybe that's a secret. No, every time, I, every time I've done that, it's never been the thing. It's always been. Like, every time you think 
it's almost too close to your own brain or something. I don't know, but you do something and go, oh my God, this is going to be, I've done pilots. I think it's going to be huge. And then like dead, dead in the water. Oh, I, it, I, you know, it's funny. I never, I have never thought that. I never thought that with Friday Night Lights. American Horror Story, I, in fact, <laughs> this is how like off base I am. On American Horror Story, I read this pilot for the script and, you know, there's like the rubber man. Yep. Okay. Um, I read that thing and I was like, and you know, as I said, I don't like the gore. Right. So I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this, but I, I you know, I thought it seemed interesting, whatever. And I was like, that guy is never staying in. <laughs> that rubber man thing is so gratuitous and ridiculous, that will never be in what we actually shoot. What did I know? <laughs> not only was it in what you shot, it was the entire I ad mean, campaign. I had a lot of sex with that rubber man. <laughs> I, and every time, the whole time, I'm thinking, I'm so off base. Like, just, no idea. That, by the way, uh, be- best season of American Horror Story, in my opinion. Best season of American Horror Story. It, but it wasn't, but, Amer- but that, that wasn't gory at all. Like, that, that season wasn't gory. It was just more like, it was more. It's creepy. It was creepy. It was more mind fucky than, yeah. than you know, which no, is no, which no, was you're great. Right. You're right. Which was really great. And I love and but of course I guess did you didn't you didn't come back to go do Nashville or Well, the thing that was really smart, uh, you know, Ryan actually with that show kind of created this new genre which was this sort of um limited series. Yeah. You know, I mean, what, what what was it called back in the old days? What would we call it? A miniseries. It? A miniseries. Yeah. In the old days, we called it a miniseries. Back in the back old in, days. Back in, wow, yeah, remember oh, that? Back There's the that cigar days, again. again. Back in the old days. It's I like a series, but it's a it's miniature a mini. version a of a series. Now, what should we call uh, that? Let's call uh, that a, a mini. A tiny, uh, a tiny program. A little. No. A little show. A miniature. Let's call it a little show. A diminutive. A minor. I don't have anything for Manu. It's a show that you think is only going to run for a certain number of days, but continues to run for eight no, days. No, but then it limit, it's limited. It's limited. Oh, let's call it a limited series. A limited series. But wait, that's uh, later. That's later. I need another big cigarette. I need... Uh, what if this is like so I many cigarettes? Uh, Cigarettes, so if many. the internet gets a hold of you doing that, it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I, wait, I love how you talk about the internet like it's either a person or like it's a sentient or being. like Oz. It's a sentient being, like not the Oz. Wizard of Oz. No, it's more like it's more like the prison program Oz. <laughs> <laughs> that seems accurate. Yeah, that I know. Because I feel like I get fucked a lot on the <laughs> internet. Uh, <laughs> Everything you do is I'm assuming just, not in a good way. No, no, because the internet is basically, the internet's like, the internet is you, it's like, a, it's like a parent or a teacher that you keep trying to impress, and you're like, how about now? And it's just like, get out, you know, like, that's the internet. You're lame. Stop trying to do a thing. It's so true. It's so Look sad. at you trying to do a thing. Get out. Fuck off. Yeah, don't do that. I know. Yeah. I literally, I am, I'm so filled with anxiety every time I have to, anybody who follows me on the inter- internets, the, I 
And you know that I don't post that often because it's, well, also because I'm a mom. It's hard to post when you're a mom. But also because of my anxiety about it, it takes me so long to compose one post that it's like an hour out of my day. You should be more like Kim Kardashian. She's a mom who posts on <laughs> She's a person who only makes good choices. Yeah, I know. Just like you. Do you know what? Thank you for that advice. I'm going to go study her stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Becoming one person, the Kardashians. It's just like, let, I think they're I, they're not from this planet. See what, can I tell you a secret? I, I couldn't pick a Kardashian out of a lineup. Well, now it's very hard because they all look very similar. Okay, well, they've okay. all had the same. Are work there done. any here? No, you, no. Just checking. I no, wouldn't know. No, I don't think okay. so. I don't see any of that out there. Uh, <laughs> you would, you, you would. Any you would, of that? You would sense it. You would yeah. sense it. But that's. But in a world where, it, but in a world, in a world where fame for fame's sake is so ubiquitous and so, quite frankly, just accepted yeah. for some weird reason. I feel like it's important for people like you to really make good artistic choices yes. to be a good role model for people who don't just look at that and go, oh, that's what you should do. I should just do whatever I can to be famous. Well, actually, and I have to say, I agree with you a thousand trillion percent. That's a number. It's a real number. And... Um, I actually think it's gotten much worse with your friend, the Internet, because yeah. I, I think that our value system, because of the exposure of the Internet, we everybody has this sort of this small idea of the fame of that kind of projection and being seen. And so... Whereas there used to be sort of a mystery. Remember the days where there was mystery? You didn't know anything about anybody. Oh, you didn't know anything about anybody. Nobody would do an interview. At all. You had no, no. idea who did what. No. Did Tony Curtis ever take a shit? I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe never in his life. You didn't want to know those things. I didn't want to know. I didn't know either. There was mystery. Now there's no mystery. And now... You just dropped your cigarette on the ground. Oh, but... <laughs> That's the curtain's on fire. Oh, bad space work, Connie. Bad space work. Get it out. Get it out. Oh, oh my God. There was almost a fake fire in here. Oh. <laughs> you got to be careful. I like that trying to blow out my cigarette like 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 you like that's a thing like that you can do blow that it out. yeah that, that yeah, just that, makes it burn that, more i guess yeah that doesn't actually make it cold. i don't understand the concept of work? fire i don't know either. i was telling a really interesting theory that i have and now i can't remember what was oh yeah Okay, I think it's gotten way worse. I think the internet has made everybody believe somehow that fame is attainable and I, I really think it's ratcheted up higher in terms of the overall value system. Right. And uh, which I think is is dangerous and not cool. And I I have always um, like for me it was really never about fame. Uh, I actually really always dreamed of being able to um, do something bigger in the world. And um, and then. I, I mean, truly, I went to college and I was studying terrible things that were happening in the world because I kind of was a naive girl in Virginia before that. And, and I remember calling my dad and being like, what can I do? What can people do, you know? And I can't remember what he said, but whatever. I don't think I, I, don't think I held on to that nugget. <laughs> <laughs> However, I did during an... Un- I'll never forget. He said... <laughs> Connie, probably said my name. Yeah, you probably said Connie. <laughs> we have a honey. twin sister too. Yes, I do. What does your twin sister do, by the way? Um, 
She is a stay-at-home mom. She's a stay-at-home mom. Yes. Anyway, I'm I'm telling my story. Tell me more about. So your- I went to. So I. But the point is, I did it. I during summer, I did this thing um, where I was like a PA on this play that Ed Asner was in. Okay. And I watched him. Every spare minute he had do all this like charitable work and all this stuff. And I thought, oh, because all I, all I ever dreamed of doing was being an actor. And I thought, oh, that's the way I can do that. You know, if I do the thing that I love, I might be able to parlay that into this sort of bigger worldview. And, and so um, I, it's always really been about just the love of it and the craft of it and all that kind of thing. And, and I've always said that I don't believe, I don't think that every every artist and every actor necessarily has a responsibility to, you know, um, use their use their uh, celebrity to save the world or whatever. I mean, I think that's a personal decision, and some people just aren't driven that way. But um, for me, I feel really fortunate and. I feel really committed with the roles that I play, particularly as a woman, that I have an opportunity to uh, reflect women to themselves and to the culture and to men as well that, um, that are complex and that are uh, fi- finding different ways to know their own power. And so that's something that um, is, feels important to me and is a, feels like responsibility to me. Not that I would put that on anybody else. But what are, did you, are you still working on the documentary? Um, not really. I mean, no. Connie, uh, Connie went through a process. You've talked, you've talked about this in the podcast, so I assume we can talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Connie, uh, went through the adoption process. Yes. Um, but it was not, it was, it was not a conventional adoption process. Well, it was conventional for, uh, for an international, uh, adoption, but, but where it came from for me is I was working on a documentary about Ethiopian orphans and I traveled to Ethiopia and, that was uh, that was sort of the first experience that I had with that world, and I was just very I, I was very drawn to the place, but also to um, the orphans that I met there, and I it was something that I always knew that I wanted to do. But my experience of the actual adoption process was actually pretty standard. I went through an adoption a U.S. adoption agency, and it took a very very long time, and it takes even longer now, and unfortunately. Um, you know, international adoption has become very difficult, and uh, it's it's still just as important as it always has been. There are still just as many orphans in the world, but um, you know, it's so, it, but I still encourage people to. How long did it take? Three years. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. And did did they tell you up front this is going to take? No, and and in fact, part of that, in fairness. Really, truly, it was two years. The, the first the first year part was mostly just getting the paperwork together because it's so much paperwork and so many things that you have to do, and it's just such a process. And then you get on a waiting... In my experience, I got on a waiting list, and that the estimate for the waiting list was about um, uh, 8 to 12 months. Right. And... So that year passed, and suddenly I found out that all my paperwork had expired, and oh, I had to renew geez. it, which nobody even told me that that was a thing that could happen. So I had to frantically run around and renew all this stuff and get re-fingerprinted and all the things that you have to do. Right. Um, and then it was, it was uh, a whole other year, and what, I, what happened was, and this is why I say it's become more difficult, I adopted from Ethiopia, it, that during the course of the time that I was waiting for a referral, because you don't go pick out a baby. That's not 
really how it, in a more standard procedure, that's not really how it works. Um, you work through an adoption agency and then they give you a referral, which is they find a baby. And it's a little vague what, how, what that process is. Um, I was always a little, you know, I would get really annoyed and call my social worker in Massachusetts and be like, so what's going on? Well, you know, we're just waiting and it's just really a long process. And be like, I'm going to throttle you. <laughs> but and, and it was very unclear what the basis was uh, that would determine my referral. But in any case, what happened was during the course of the time that I was waiting, Ethiopia went from, I think, 50 adoptions a day to five. So the numbers went way, way down. And I actually got, I, I, I got to a place where I thought, this isn't going to happen. It's just going to, they're going to close it all together. So I feel very fortunate that I and, got And how, 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 how old is he now? Six. He's six years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do, do you ever... Do you say his name publicly sometimes? Oh, yeah. Say, oh, Yobi. No, okay, Yobi. it's Yobi. Yobi, yeah. Yobi, 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 yeah. And so uh, when, so he's six now. So do you... Have you found, like, that you have to explain to him the process? Or does he understand? How does he, like, how does he process identity and, like, oh, I'm your mom? And- yeah, I mean, that's challenging. And I, you know, he's such a well-adjusted little kid. And he's, you know, he's a little Tennessee kid. I, I moved to Nashville, like, four years, at, four years, four months after I adopted him. And... So he was, you know, and I didn't know a soul. I would sort of show up in National as a brand new mother, and I'm like, <laughs> great, what are we going to do? <laughs> Panic! Um, but he, uh, so he's grown up in Tennessee. He's my little southern boy, but he's so well-adjusted, and I have, you know, he, he is so proud that he's from Africa. He'll tell, if anybody, he meets anybody for the first time, he'll be like, I'm from Africa. Like, that's, that, he's very proud of that. And we've been back to Africa. We haven't been to Ethiopia, but we went to um, Uganda and Kenya and Rwanda together. And um, he loved it. And, you know, I've shown him pictures of when he was younger and when he was at the orphanage. But, you know, he doesn't, we, I haven't talked to him in depth yet about sure. that process. And right all of the details, and he hasn't really asked. So most important to me is that he has a, a real understanding of where he's from and a real appreciation for that, and, um, you know, that he really, that's part of his value of himself. What has been, just for other people who are considering adoption or maybe haven't even considered adoption, what, what has been special about it to you that you could relate to to people who are maybe on the fence about it. To being an adoptive yeah. parent? Um, oh, my gosh. I mean, so many things. I mean, being a parent, period, is incredibly special and life-changing and makes you see yourself in a completely different way, and, and it's, it's the greatest teacher. Um, and being an adoptive parent uh, it does that in a, in a very specific way, I think, because... Um, you kind of can't believe that you could love this person as much as you can, as much as you do, and that they, that you are so completely and deeply joined. I always say to my son, I always say, um, our hearts are connected, like whenever I have to leave. And then he likes to get really, like my son is already acting like he's like a 16 year old. He's like, mom, our hearts are not connected. I'm like, come on! <laughs> like, I'm like, yes, Humor your mother. I know. I'm like, ah, t- just give me my joy. <laughs> we have connected hearts. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I, I think there is something extremely um, 
profound and unique about uh, being an adoptive parent. And, um, you know, in as much as we learn so much from being parents and from our children and from raising children, and uh, I think that there's a whole other level of that from when, when, we ha- when you have an adopted child, so. Are, so is he going to, I mean, you know, listen, it's, it's spoiler, but it's been in the news, but you have left the Nashville program. I know, uh, I died. Uh, oh. oh. was that, was that, because, are you going to stay in Nashville now? Well, we're still in Nashville, um, but I think we probably will eventually, uh, and we really do love it there, and Yobi's at, he's at school there, he's at a cute little elementary Nashville's school. Nashville's a great town. It's a great town. But I do think we probably will make our way back to L.A. Um, just because it's work-wise probably easier. But I do. I love it there. So was it difficult to make this decision to leave a show that you've been on? Very, very difficult. But um, there were a lot of reasons, and I haven't really gone into uh, detail about that because I think it's, it's, it was a very personal decision for me. Sure. Um, but um, it was very important to me that it sort of that it happened in a way that felt oh, like it honored the show and took care of the show and you know we we had a crazy summer where the show got canceled by ABC and then it got re-picked up by CMT right. and um they've been really wonderful to the show and very supportive and um and then we got new showrunners who are really great and uh it felt like the show was really was kind was coming into a place where it was really on good on good ground and good footing, and so, um, you know, I talked about it with the showrunner, and we sort of agreed together and decided together maybe how. I mean, he was the one who kind of came up with that the story idea of it, but we sort of uh, yeah laid it out, and it was real sad. I mean, especially because. In the South, because I'm from Memphis, and you know that's yeah. only a few hours from Nashville, and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and but there's the same vibe, which is everyone's very much like, "Oh my God, are you okay? What happened? Oh God, y'all, y'all, listen. When I because my son is going to this really cute little public elementary school around the corner from our house, and oh Lordy, Lolita has been, <laughs> y'all, Lolita is the is like literally an angel on earth. She has been the secretary in the front office of that school for 35 years. She has pulled out the teeth of every child that has gone through that school. And she is just, oh, and she came up to me and she says, girl, you nearly gave me a heart attack. Right? <laughs> I don't know what to do. What? Are you? And then, you know, I was getting texts from Yobi's teacher. All the teachers here are really, really sad today. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so like I let. Th- I'm sorry. Don't don't take it out on Yobi. Oh my god, yeah. But also just like getting a text from your your kid's teacher, like we need to have a talk. Is every is he okay? Yeah, but Raina, what is I happening? Know, totally. I, I walk in and I'm like, you know, I, I've got to pick up Yobi, whatever. They're like, but listen, girl, what is gonna go? I'm like. I- Go. Here we have a plane to catch. So Where you got to anyway. go? Your character died. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's just take I, it down I, I, did, I did it. La- a <laughs> exactly. I did, a, I, did a, um, I did a show a couple weeks ago. Or not a show. I did a, a Elizabeth Warren mm-hmm. was in town, and I went to, um, she did this little event, and I went there, and they, the guy who was, uh, it was uh, the host of the event, 
introduced me, and the way he introduced me was, he's like, well, we're all a little surprised to see her here today, but Connie, Brittany, whatever. And, and somebody came up to me, and he was like, why are, why are we surprised that you're here? And I was like, oh, it's because I die. <laughs> and then I started thinking, I'm like, I think that's what he meant. <laughs> but you never and got to I ask thought, him. And then I thought, or maybe it's because they're so mad at me that they're amazed that I showed up. Maybe. Maybe she. I shouldn't show my face in public because they're so mad. Well, that's, you know, television in particular, I mean, a, you know, a film can move someone for a couple hours and then they kind of get over it. But a television is... It's so much more of an intimate connection with an audience because you're in, you, you know, you're a part of their ritual. Yes. Week after week or how, you know, with their family or with their friends or it's a thing they look forward to. Yeah. And when you change that, yes. you know, and look, on Walking Dead, it's like characters die all the time and it always sucks. But a show like Nashville, I mean, yeah. it's not like, who's well, going to die this week on Nashville? It you was, know? yeah, and it was really sad. I mean, it was, you know... It, the, I, I, I really, I said, I'm like, does she have to die? Can't she go off on tour for some extended period of time in Europe? And you know, she doesn't like to use cell phones. <laughs> I, you know, but you know, we, we agreed she wouldn't leave her family. So we had, you know, there's, it's so sad to watch. Children and a husband lose their mother, and right. and it was done in a very real way, and um, it was so it was really sad, and you know, but I, the other thing is too, you know, we it was really done in this way that felt very reflective of grief, you know, the what happens when you go through a, a true loss of somebody that you love, and. You know, I I think that that's part of storytelling, and and so, and you know, grief is not an easy story to tell, but I think it's but it's absolutely a part of life, and it's 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 wonderful to be able to tell those stories too, you know, Are, and not just in the Walking Dead way where it's like ah, I'm gonna. Um, it's that's sorry. not all isn't the Walking all, Dead is all about. Isn't that how they the do way. it? No, sometimes yeah, but not all the time. Oh. Sometimes seems like they bite. No, these sometimes and they have people on the show. And let themselves turn into zombies to attack the guy that's taking over their community. It just depends on the death. Sometimes people are attacked by tigers. Sometimes anyone ever get attacked by a tiger on Nashville? I didn't think so. I'm out of water here. I went to take a sip to punctuate oh, my sentence. I have a lot of water. Oh, oh, oh. Not, not, yeah, you have a little sip. A little sip of water. You can have some. No, that's okay. You don't have to. I, I drank off this side. You can drink off that side. I don't, you don't have to let me. Uh, okay, I'll just take a little mm. sip. All right. I don't want you to get the coughsies. No, 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 no. You don't want to get the coughsies. Mm. The sore is temporary. It's, uh, <laughs> you're going to keep that. What are you talking about? Oh, well, I'm pretty it. sure it's. Uh, yeah, I want you to have it's it. A, it's a lip buddy. No, yeah. I don't have any cold sores. It's fine. Now, now you're going to be like, wait, was he making that joke because it's Guys, real? Guys, watch how much water I drink for the rest of the show. <laughs> <laughs> keep, keep an eye out for we'll that. Just, we'll turn up the lights and just see you sweating and you really want to take the water. There's no, it's nothing. It's, uh, yeah, no, it's, yeah. I'm, I'm, I know, so everything, it's all genital. But we can't. <laughs> <laughs> When we come back, our audience member is going to come up. They're going to ask questions. We're going to give away stuff. We're going to hear from you guys at home. If you want to be part of the show, we're at Talking on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find updates about upcoming guests. You can ask any questions you have for them. You're always a part of our show. Uh, we will be right back with more Connie Britton on Talking with Connie. Welcome back. We're talking with Connie Britton. 
So, as I, as, I, as I told you before, when we told, when we told the internet, our friend. Right, right. Mostly. Just weird. Uh, it's a weird internet. friend. Yeah, it's a weird love-hate friend that's staying on your couch and you want him to leave and you don't know how to ask him to leave. <laughs> but uh, you got a, such a high amount of uh, questions. But then there was also this weird through line of people who shared dreams that they had about you. Oh, dear. Which are not, there's nothing, it's nothing vile. I mean, the... Ish. That I'm telling you about, but oh, yeah. uh, but dreams about Connie Britton. This was just, it was it was, there were so many of them that I, <laughs> yeah, and it's not strange, but just strange that this was a thing with you. At Tiffany Nicole T on Twitter said, I had this awesome dream last night. I was in an episode of Friday Night Lights, hanging with Connie Britton. Hashtag future best friend. Uh, at Brennan Carley uh, says, I had a dream last night when I met Connie and Kyle and started profusely weeping, thanking them for Friday Night Lights. 2013 Harry said. I had a dream that I met Connie Britton at the mall and told her she was beautiful and she held me for a long time. <laughs> that actually happened. <laughs> and, then, and then this one's very specific. Hearts37 on Twitter said, I had a dream that Connie Britton let me pee at her house because all the bathrooms where we were were gross. Uh, so that was very nice of you. I the, think that was nice of me, right? <laughs> that was dream, dream you lets people yeah. pee in your house. Uh, is it... There's something really specific, I think, that people just go, God, I just, I just want her in my life in some way. Really? Is that a testament to the, that, you know, you play really grounded, strong characters? Maybe just people just, you're just a guiding force in their life. I don't know. That's such a nice thing. I mean, I, I guess, I, you know, going back to what I was saying before about really wanting to play these accessible, approachable women, you know, that I think people, I just think people appreciate that. I think, you know, and I think women in particular sometimes feel seen because they see themselves maybe reflected back. Um, so maybe that's what, might, that, what that might be. I don't know. I don't know. Or now people are just going to start, hi, can I use your bathroom? Yeah, like, exactly. It's like, I hour. hear you're very generous with your bathroom. <laughs> it's right over there. Yeah. Uh, we have time for a fan who's going to ask a question and stand up, so please ask your question, sir. What is your name? Hi, I am Mark. Hi, Mark. Hi. What's your question? My question is, did you get to work with Faye Resnick when you worked on your character for American Crime Story? I did not work, I did not work with Faye. Um, although it would have been really cool to, but... Uh, would it? I no, but you know, I I actually we, we I didn't really have the opportunity to to for one thing, but but when I so when I justified that to myself, I said, you know, it's better anyway because. I'm playing her from a long time ago, and I don't really want to be influenced by who she is now. I really want to focus on who she was and what she was trying to accomplish and all that. So, yeah, that's, but is it, that's how I justify the I know, but to, play a, but to play a real person that you legitimately could just be at a restaurant and she could walk up. Oh, and, I know. And it, was that... Is, is that... Terrifying? Yes. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> because you, you know... Have you played any other real people before? Well, Sharon Gaines from Friday Night Lights, the movie, is a real person. And so, because Friday Night Lights, the movie, is actually based on all real people. So what, what extra responsibility do you feel like you have when you're playing a real person? A lot. And, but, but definitely playing Faye Resnick was the most challenging as, as far as that goes because 
because she is she's still living and she is such a you know there's a lot she's such a character yeah. and and the thing about Faye is that there are a lot of she's she has withstood a lot of judgment sure you know and a lot of people's uh, there's been a lot of commentary about her and for me when I play a character I never want to comment on the character I never want to judge the character I want to be able to embody the character so I had to sort of really try to get into what I thought was her was her psyche as opposed to all the countless th- things that you could read or, you know, that the people have said about right. who she is. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was very challenging, but really fun to be challenged like Are you that. an American Horror Story fan? Yeah. Okay, well, then I have a very special prize for you. Ah! <laughs> Signed right there. I think we got the sizing right. Yeah, that'll fit. We have a we have a video message in for for Connie. Hi, Connie. This Hi. is Amanda from Los Angeles. First of all, I love you, and second of all, everybody knows that you have basically the most perfect head of hair on the planet. So, if you were to come up with a nickname for it, what would it be? What would you nickname your? That was the other thing people loved about you. Look, this is a whole card of people saying, uh, "I'm 90 percent sure Connie Britton's hair is made of magic and fairy dust." <laughs> Uh, Connie Britton's hair from Friday Night Lights has been my life's greatest influence. <laughs> Erica, Erica Bui on Twitter says, is it possible to be baptized by Connie Britton's hair? <laughs> JMJ ATX, is there a Connie Britton's glorious hair Twitter account yet? And then Mander Lemon on Twitter said, God grant me the serenity to accept the fact my hair will never look like Connie Britton's. Your hair has oh its my own... Goodness. So do you have a name for it? How do you... How do you... I don't know. Is it a separate entity? No, it's not. It's so not a separate entity. It's so just not. I don't. It's so funny to me. I, 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 I don't get it. It's just sort of my hair. And it's so like very flattering. But I'm really like, why my hair as opposed to anybody else's hair? I mean, they're, you know, like, I don't. As she coquettishly <laughs> brushes, why my hair? Does anybody else's hair? It, it demands that no. you. Your hair demands that you stroke it, it and, and keep it satisfied. I do like to stroke. <laughs> do you, I mean, um, but that is, you know, again, it, it's just another one of those things that I think people go, wow, that's, a, that's something that I need in my life. I need a luxurious mane of hair. Oh, right. Yeah, everybody really needs that. Especially you. You need that. I do. Yes. I think I would look so much better with your hair. No. You actually have good hair, but I'm, I, okay I, was hair. Think, I was saying that in regards to, like, what if your hair was, like, long like mine? Wouldn't that be hilarious? I've never had long hair before. Right? Because I just feel like I would look like a meth dealer. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> when, you're, when you're a skinny white guy with long hair, it just sort of looks like, what's that guy selling out of the back of his car? You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like it just Oh, my I gosh. I it. want you to play that character so bad. <laughs> Please be a meth dealer with long hair. I don't. So awesome. All right. I'll do it for oh, you. Daddy. Yeah. I don't even know. I don't know what the role Wait, is. Wait, I have to tell you what my, um, my nickname for my hair is. What is it? Muffy. <laughs> <laughs> Your hair is muffy. Yeah. The fans can sleep well tonight. I just thought of it. Um, let's get someone else to ask a question. I'm what is I call your it question? that all the time. Yes? Hi. Hi. What's your Hi. name? My name's Megan. I'm Megan. from Megan. South Carolina. Um, and I actually just wanted to know if you have any advice for young women in this crazy world. 
in this oh. business or in this crazy in world? This crazy in world. general. In general. Yeah. Oh, Megan. Oh, Megan. Come sit on my knee, Megan. Um, I, my advice for young women in this crazy world is to be brave enough to know your own voice and to know yourself and to know that that's enough and that you have something to offer. Um, and uh, that, that is, if you do that, then you can, you can, I think, kind of move towards living what might be a full life if you sort of start there. Can I dig a little deeper in that? Yeah. So what about for people, and I don't know if this is part of what you're asking, but for, for people who go, okay, great, that's great advice. How do I find out who I am? How do I find out what my voice well, is? Well, that's part of it is the exploration of that. First of all, knowing, and that's why I said be brave enough, knowing that there's value in who you are. So it's valuable enough for you to say, what do I think about this? What do I care about about this? What's important to me? What do I love to do? And, you know, I think there's a, cult, there's a culture of, uh, that women have grown, that has gone throughout the generations where women um, feel so often that they need to be a part of somebody else, part of their husband and, you know, part of their children and all that. So it's important, I think, for you to know that there's value in just wondering, just knowing who you are. And, and, and that that's going to be confusing and that sometimes it's going to change and a lot of time every day it's going to change and I don't know. Well, you know what, Megan? In, in, this, in this exploration process, maybe you could be a musician. Yay, or, I don't know. Or you could just have that. Connie, Connie signed it. Uh, Here's a video message that, uh, that came in. Hi, I'm Alexa from Sacramento, California. And my question is, are you interested in doing any more roles that involve singing? Because oh, you sang all your own stuff. I did. I sang all my own stuff. You, you, sang all- you say that with some kind of, like, shock. You know, it's Surprise. just when you know people for a while and you didn't know that they have a talent that they have, and then you're like, oh, shit, she can sing. Like, I didn't know I didn't know that about you until Nashville. Well, you know, I used to be able to sing and then didn't sing for a really long time, and then I was like, I want to do something really different and challenging. So I'm going to start singing as if I'm a professional at it on, on television. Right. That's a good idea. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, would, I would still do that. I would still play a role that um, where I sing. I think it would be really fun to do something on Broadway where I sing. Would you? <laughs> but I'd be so scared. That's why you have to do it, Connie. If you're scared, I know. If you're scared, you gotta take that risk. Yeah, I think you have to say whenever you say "what if," then I think you have to follow it up with "I can." Oh, oh, that, oh, that's really deep. I don't know what this character is, but I do not like him at all. Uh, You know, you know, I think that character is akin to your meth character. I think it is. I think this is this. No, this is this person after some meth. Yeah, I think that's what that is. But I mean, is. Would you ever think maybe, like, oh, maybe I could release an album, or maybe I could... Well, yeah, I mean, look, I've been in Nashville, Tennessee, where I've been recording songs in studios that have gone on albums and had a lot of people say, let's let's do an album or whatever, and I'm like... (laughs) (laughs) That's my response when they ask me that. (laughs) I mean, like, these are probably, like, legitimate music people who are like, I will produce this for you. I know. 
I, you know, so, I mean, sure, when I'm sitting here and I'm telling you that, you know, you need to know your voice and know that there's value in that, I'm thinking, yeah, I would do that. But in real life, I'm like, ah, no. You don't think so? I don't know. I don't think so. What kind of a Broadway show would you do? Because, you know, here's the truth of it. What? The truth of it is that I can definitely pull off a song, but... I have such respect for people who have amazing voices, who just have this, you know, just this instrument. I don't have that. And, and, and I'm the first to admit it. Not everyone has it. to be Adele or no, Beyonce. No, no, I know, but I'm just saying, I, so I feel like, I mean, you know, I could do, yeah, sure, I'll do an, a record of nursery rhymes or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, there's, you know... There's a lot of room. There's everything from hello from it to I'm so fancy. Like there's a lot in between <laughs> right, right, those right. two that Absolutely. you don't have to be. You don't have to be an Adele. <laughs> That's Do you put that pressure on yourself to feel like if I can't. To be Adele? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, if, that if you feel like if I can't knock it out of the fucking park, then maybe I shouldn't do it. Do you put that pressure on yourself? No. I mean. I don't think about it that way usually. I think about it more in terms of what am I going to learn from this experience and, and is this experience going to... I mean, in fact, it's kind of the opposite because sure, I want to be able to knock it out of the park, but like you were saying about taking risks and being challenged and what was really behind a lot of my decision to do Nashville was that I wanted to take a risk and be challenged. And the thing about taking a risk is that it's only a risk if you really can fail. Mm-hmm. So... You know, if you want to take a pretend bullshit risk, then that doesn't really grow you at all. You don't really learn anything from that. So when I did this with Nashville, I mean, I, it was a steep learning curve for me. And, and I, you know, there were, it, it was, it was, there was tough, there were tough moments for sure. Um, and I never, I mean... I, di- I didn't really have the audacity to think, like, I'm going to nail this, whatever, for sure. <laughs> but at the same time, of course, I wanted to. Sure. But that's all wrapped up in it. Did, does the, uh, how's the... How's the Emmy experience for you? Is that Do you not like all that part of it, of just, like, do you care or try not to care, or is it... Oh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it always feels so surreal, you know? And, and but the, my favorite part of it is that it that you kind of make friends through the whole process. You get to hang out with people who are, you know, also there and doing their thing and they're, and they're loving it. And, and so it's really just, for me, it's just really like a big party. Well, I think that's probably the healthiest way to think Yeah, about it. I, I mean, I don't know if it's healthy or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's better than letting... Depends it, on how you approach your party. Then, but I think it's better, it's better... Well, you know from my past, yes. that, that used to be very bad. Yes, yes. So. <laughs> I had to stop but, doing that shortly. But now you're good. Now everything's fine. Now everything's great. I told this story on the podcast before, but boy, I got, we were all in Vegas one time, me and Connie and Rob and Sherry Zombie and our other friends, and I got really drunk, and I literally... I was about to hit on you, and then... A friend of ours, like our mutual friend, kind of stepped in and was like, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> totally saved you. But that was at the pool, right? It was at the pool, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah but yeah, the yeah. funny thing is, is that when you're, I mean, this isn't funny. It's tragic, but it's funny because it's so tragic. But, but, when, you're, but when you're in that mindset or, you know, like when you're kind of, when you're drunk, uh, you, you know, everything just sort of feels it's not like. not mince words. <laughs> when you were wasted. When I was wasted, the idea of it was like. How did she know? But I'm sure if I saw a video, I'd be like, whoa, what the fuck am I doing? You know? <laughs> just so obvious. And everything was just so telegraphed. But the fact that we were still remained friends after that is, I know. is Isn't really that cute lovely. Of us? 
It's adorable of us. I know, we're the best people ever. I just, I appreciate it. I do too. It was always one of the things that I, and I, and I've already kind of, I think I did this to you on the, on the podcast, but one thing that I always wanted to go back and apologize for, because I always felt really bad about it. I always felt like, oh, what a sloppy mess, you, you know? Oh, stop. You don't need to apologize. Stop. Okay. You okay. don't need to apologize to me. Okay, good. I know that's one of the 12 steps. <laughs> it was one of the... <laughs> Separately from that, though. Oh. You're very patient with me, Connie Britton. You're no. very patient. Before we go to break, I want to let you guys know that the uncut extended version of this chat is available as a podcast at Nerdist. Also go to amc.com slash talking for bonus clips and exclusive content and links to all the podcasts from all of our episodes. Uh, more with Connie Britton in a moment. We're right back on Talking with Chris Hardwick. <laughs> Welcome back. Connie Britton is talking with me, Chris Hardwick. Um, so talk a little bit about uh, Beatrice at Dinner. Oh, Beatrice this, at You're dinner. in this movie. This is your movie. Yes, right. Okay, Beatrice at Dinner um, was a movie that I did last summer and um, with Salma Hayek and John Lithgow and uh, Jay Duplass and Chloe Sevigny. Like, amazing cast of uh, actors and an incredible ensemble. And um, it is basically kind of a crazy dinner party where uh, John Lithgow plays kind of a Trump-esque character. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. And then and Selma Hayek plays um, kind of an immigrant-type okay. character. Okay. And uh, hilarity ensues. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's all, it's, that's, that's all I'm going to tell you. You, know, well, you have to go see it. Well, yeah, we don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it, but now, it's really good. Now, when you... Are you? Do you ever get nervous when you hear like this person's in this thing and this person? Oh, I'm going to be in front of that person. Or are you pretty good at just at kind of going? Well, you know, I know how to do this, and I'm I'm just going to go in and just do what I do. Um. Yeah. I, yes. I mean, for sure. The, I I I I always feel that way a little bit anyway because I'm I'm sort of like oh my gosh it's you know John I mean I loved meeting John Lithgow so much he's so amazing and Salma is incredible and we had these really cool scenes together and but you know what I find is when you're really just doing it everybody we're just we're just really trying to be there with each other yeah. and so all that stuff kind of goes out the window so I sort of feel that way a little bit in advance and then once I'm in it it's just sort of like we're doing this thing and I'm here with you, and you're here with me. Now, on the heels of that, what is what is Ryan Murphy like to work with? Because the guy's name, he's responsible for s- just a ridiculous amount of television. Oh, I, I mean, know. it's it's like it's almost silly at this point. It's like, oh, there's another Ryan Murphy, and there's another Ryan Murphy, and there's another Ryan Murphy. Oh, I know. And this is what I started to tell you before when we got sidetracked by our cigar smoking. Yeah. That he did really bring back with American Horror Story. He really did bring back the concept of this limited series, which was so such a brilliant idea because it was really sort of like one season at a time. But um, I love the man. Love him. He's such a. He is such a visionary. I mean, he has one of his amazing talents is that he's able to he is able to convey his vision and realize it in such an incredible way. I mean, he comes up with these great ideas, and then the way that he kind of is able to make it happen and manifest it is just incredible. I, I, do, I do think the most imp- I think one of the most impressive things about him is just the breadth of of 
types of kind. It's like yeah. it's not one genre. It's like, oh, he's doing this thing about Betty Davis and Joan Crawford, and then he's doing, yeah. the, he did Glee, and then he's doing Scream Queens, and he's doing this other thing, and he's doing American Horror Story. And the, I mean, it's... And it's, each one is so um, so specific, and they're all kind of, they're all sort of genre-based. I mean, they're all sort of based on the, um, they all come from whatever genre that they are, and yet you feel like you're watching the genre for the first time in a lot of ways. I mean, I remember feeling that way about American Horror Story, like, you know... I feel that he took the horror genre and kind of gave it a whole different feel than and particularly horror on television, um, which is is exciting. It's exciting to be a part of that. Maybe it, maybe 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 you go back at some point. Oh, I don't know. I think it would be nice to see uh, Connie Britt. Although, I I'm guessing. You probably want to take a little bit of a break. I really do. <laughs> I mean, you just went from one show to another show to I another know, show. I know, you know, I thought about it and I thought, gosh, I have been working without a break in network television for 10 years. Without a break and, and five years into it. Oh my gosh, my life is so hard. Life is so it's hard. It's so hard. Oh, it's so hard. 10 years. That's the worst thing I've ever years. heard. And five years in, I adopted my son. So, you know, it's... Did that help you with... That must have helped with your perspective. I always hear, like, when you have a child, it it just makes all the dumb stuff you worry about go away because you just have to be focused on that child. Uh, yes, for sure that is a part of it. Although, immediately after the child is born, that's less of a part of it. It's more... Immediately after the child comes into your life, it's really more just straight-up panic. <laughs> it's straight up panic and feeling like every moment you are definitely making a mistake, you definitely don't know what you're doing, and you are blowing it, just blowing it. You know, I mean, it's really, it's, it's so, I feel like that's one of those things that they don't tell you, and then suddenly you're a mom, I, I, you know, I was a mom, and I'm like, ah, I don't know. And that feel, you know, especially if you're a person who really likes to, likes the idea of, I got this covered. I got this under control. You never feel that way. I, I feel that you never feel that is way. This, so there's not, is there any kind of moment where you go, okay, I think I got it today. I think I got it. Is there anything that happens that makes you feel like you're on top of it? Yeah, there are things that happen that way. And then the next moment you're like, oh, no, I was so wrong. <laughs> it's all really over. I don't know what I'm um, But no, I mean, you know, I, d- the thing is, you know, I don't take credit for... All the great stuff he does makes you kind of feel like makes me kind of feel like oh, well look that maybe I'm not doing such a bad job. But then I always give him credit for that. Right. I just take credit for the bad stuff. Okay, okay, that's right. Yeah, you know, that's I, normal. That's I always they- <laughs> I always dig around just because you know my wife. Is, we've been talking about uh, you know maybe yeah trying, popping uh, out a little and I, and I always I, I always. Well, because it's probably weird to go, hey, let's pop out a big one. Like, that's weird. She's very tiny. Uh, but I, It's weird anyway. It's weird. It's weird. But, she, but just the idea that I feel like it would just be a, a, like I'm going to live in a constant state of stress. Oh, they fall down. Oh, do they? Oh, what yeah. happened? Are they, are they choking? Is everything? Don't yeah. Make sure the pool's covered. Oh. <laughs> there's no manual. There's no, there's, no, there's no book in the middle of the night when they're screaming or whatever is happening to say, oh, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to do it now. There's nothing. You're just literally like, I've never seen a human being do this before. <laughs> Why are you doing it? But ultimately, if you just stay in it, it all sorts itself out? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure. 
Let's uh, let's let's go to a question. This is a very special guest here, Yvette Nicole Brown, Hi. who texted me. Now, Yvette, Yvette has been on Walking Dead. Yvette has been on Talking Dead almost as much as I have, and she texted me a couple days ago and said, uh, "Say, I see you have Connie Britton on the show. Could your old friend Yvette Nicole Brown drop by, maybe?" And I said, "Of course." I you am so honored. That was I, no, so nice. I adore you. you. Um, so this is my question. Earlier, you said that through your career, you've been lucky. My question is, you're lucky, but is there something that you wish you could have done a little different? Not necessarily regret, but something that you could have maybe changed in your career. Wish you could have done in your career. Um. <laughs> I wish I wish I hadn't done that. Um... <laughs> there, that was the regret. Well, is there is there is there a is there a part that you did turn down or missed out on? Well, there is. I there was you know, but but that, but I feel like that's a slightly different question. I mean, there was definitely a part that was very that I and I've talked about before in some interviews that um, I was I was very close to. Um, getting the role in Jerry Maguire. Wow. Um, but then Tom Cruise got it. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Hey, come on, yeah. you guys. Yeah. Come on. I see what you, you did there. I, I see what you did um, So that was really, because that was very early in my career, and and um, I just loved that role so much. And, and that was actually an example. When I first went in and I read for Cameron Crowe and James Brooks, um, Cameron said to me, he said, you know, going back to the idea of always feeling like I have to probably give it a little bit more than what's there in terms of the complexity of the character because women's roles aren't usually written in a very complex way. Mm-hmm. I remember Cameron saying after I auditioned, after I read it one time, he was like, you just showed me what the role is supposed to be because the the studio was saying I needed to rewrite it and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, that was incredibly thrilling. And and I went through a whole long process with it. With it and then at the end of the day, didn't get the part. And, you know, I, it was mm-hmm. truly, truly devastating for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but and now I can look back on it and, and feel not not in any Pollyanna way like, Oh no! It's really, it's really for the best. It would have just been terrible if I'd gotten that role. <laughs> no, I don't think about it. That uh, personally, way. I think it would have been amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to, people Thanks. don't know that. Thanks, people don't know Kurt. that I like to give Connie shit about yeah. these things because this is you can't not laugh at it. You can't because if you didn't, I know, I know exactly. But and and. And I didn't laugh at the time, and I didn't laugh for a very long time afterward, and I was very confused about life and what it all means. But ultimately, I am so—all I can do now, I, I just feel so much gratitude, really. I, I, th- that was the one that got away, but I can't say that there's anything that I, uh, you know, wish hadn't been the way it was because I feel so lucky. Thank you, Connie. Um, Yvette, I have yes, a very special— I get a gift? Yeah. Yeah, you get a oh gift. Oh my gosh, you really get a excited gift. About I'm gonna give you a gift too. Yay! Yes! Yes! I love Friday Night Lights. Signed yeah. football helmet. Thank you. That's gonna look like you, Connie. Thank you, Connie. Thank, Thank you, Brent. Nicole, Nicole Brown. Nicole Brown. That's gonna look so pretty on you. <laughs> oh golly. So uh, I. We kind of like wrap this. I, I don't know why, but I've decided to start wrapping up the show because everyone that comes on, I just feel like you know we, we're all kind of 
trying to do some of the same things, but everyone has such a different path. Yeah. And everyone has such a sort of a different guiding principle. So you, you, when you were talking to Megan before, you, I think you gave out some really wonderful words of advice. But is there, is there anything particularly that you live by or, or something that you feel like is important for you to, like a mantra, something that's important for you to pass down to your son or something that just sort of guides you? What is that? Well, I, I kind of just touched on it with your question. Lately, I've really been um, just feeling so much gratitude, especially given what's happening in the world right now. And I have, you know, and I do work, international work, and, um, you know, the plight of so many people around the world right now is so devastating. And um, so I, I am just overwhelmed with gratitude because how is it that we are so fortunate to have these lives instead of these others? But, and, that, and, and what I find is that gratitude is actually the most driving force in my life because when I feel that way, I'm able to clear, clear the path for everything from the, what I'm going to do today, um, going to work or with my son or whatever, to making choices about um, you know, maybe trying to reach out beyond myself to do something outside of myself, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah. so I, I do find it is actually the most um, motivational uh, force in my life uh, is is really feeling grateful for what I have. Even in, I mean, and, and again, I know, I, I, you know, when you, when you asked me about advice, I, you could tell I got like a little flustered because I'm just like, I feel so bad giving advice, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not equipped, um, you know, and I think that a lot of times it's for it's very hard to convey it because that's just my own personal experience and I never want to inflict that on anybody. But, uh, and then I feel like whenever I say it, it always kind of comes out sounding sort of silly. It didn't sound silly but, at all. Yeah. But I, but that's just my experience is that really, uh, I am extremely driven by gratitude. Well, I am incredibly grateful that you were here tonight and spent this time with us, Connie Britton. And I'm so happy that we're still friends after all this time. Because I'm so, I'm just so, I'm so blown away and inspired by you. And I'm, and I'm just, I'm honored that we're still friends. And I'm so, I'm so happy for everything that's happened to you. you. And, and I appreciate that you came all the way out here from Nashville. Connie Britton has been my guest tonight. Thank you. Dinner comes out June 9th. Absolutely go see it. And remember, always checking with us at, talk, at Talking on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Find out what's going to be on the show, how you can be a part of it. We could not do the show without you. I am Chris Hardwick, at Hardwick on the tweets, the Instagrams, and the Facebooks. Do not text and drive. I'm going to say this every week until you stop doing it. Uh, have a great week. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Hey, it's Guy Raz here, the host of How I Built This, a podcast that gives you a front row seat to how some of the biggest products were built and the innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists behind them. Every week, I speak to someone new, stories like Justin Wolverton's, a lawyer who just wanted a healthy alternative to ice cream, so he created Halo Top in his Cuisinart. Or Todd Graves, who grew his fried chicken restaurant Raising Cane's into one of the most successful fast food chains in the U.S. All of these great conversations can help you learn how to think big, take risks, and navigate crises in life and work from people who've done all of that and more. 
Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.